in a greater way that we would be able to see him with our heart, with our inner man. And that Lord, by seeing him, that would help us to move closer unto him. And, and Lord, I pray that our closeness to him would be reflected through us to others and to others that are in the world, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus who died for us. And, and I pray, Lord, today that you would open up your word, that you would open up our eyes, Lord, the eyes of our understanding, Lord, would be enlightened to understand and to know the love of God toward us while we were yet sinners, that Christ came and died. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to move amongst us, Touch our hearts today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll probably begin to deal with chapter after chapter. This is a new book for me. I've never studied it, so I'm looking forward to the Lord showing some things and revealing things. Uh, opening up his word to us. Now, the book of Hebrews, of course, was written to Hebrew Christians. And we don't really get the impact of that like they did. Remember that they had a, a, a Jewish system, the Levitical law and all that, and the sacrifices, and they were all steeped in that. Now you have some Jews who came to Christ, and now the writer is going to say you need to leave what you had before and move away from that to the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Not that the animal, again, would have to be slain on a daily basis or a yearly basis as it was with the annual Day of Atonement. But now Christ, once and for all, has died, providing that sacrifice for sin so that now these Hebrews would have access to God. So they were, everything that Jesus did, for the most part, was contrary to the Jewish tradition and the Jewish way of thinking. So now these Hebrews are faced with a problem, and that is to lean back toward Judaism, back toward that whole system of sacrifice, or now, since they've come to Christ, to move in a different way. Now, uh, the writer to Hebrews is going to lay this out for them. And, and as I began to read the first chapter, I, I could see an, an eloquence in the way this is being brought out to these people. And many times, because we are far removed from the culture in which, in which these words were brought, we don't see the impact or we don't see uh, the decision that they had to make to break with what they were you know, involved in. Just like 
when the gospel comes to you and I, there must be a break between the world, the things of this world, the things that we were involved with before that related to sin and the sinful nature. There must be a break there, and now we have a decision. Are we going to go back to the old, like the Jews, to the law, or are we going to move toward Christ, who is the author and finisher of those who have faith in him, that faith? So in that respect, that is the same. Now, the main idea to remember in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus supersedes the Levitical priesthood and the sacrifices. No longer is there going to be the need for the Levitical priesthood and the sacrifices. And I don't believe it was any mistake, of course, at 70 AD that after the destruction of, of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, that until now there is no sacrifice in, in Judaism, literal animal sacrifice. So God stepped in and he changed the direction, and of course they are looking toward that thing again, even today, where someday they can rebuild the temple over there in Jerusalem and institute the sacrifices of animals. But it's no mistake now that God intervened through Christ to point, hopefully, the whole nation in another direction. But the book itself is written to Hebrew Christians, those who responded to the gospel. Now, the key word in this letter, if you will, Hebrews, is the word better. Better covenant, better hope, better promises, and so on. So that through the revelation of Jesus Christ, there was a superior or a better covenant that came to man. And another key word, I believe, is perfect. And being made perfect, he became the the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. You'll see the word better as you read the book, and you'll see the word perfect in quite a few places. So, so that's, that's a key thing there. Now, I'm not going to get into the author of the book. If you, you open your Bible, it says, Paul the Apostle to the Hebrews. Uh, I looked at that very briefly, and there are many views on this. Some believe that Apollos wrote the book. Some believe uh, uh, Priscilla, Aquila, Barnabas, and so on wrote the book. It's not necessary that we know who wrote the book. But what is necessary is for us to somehow grasp and, and, and receive the words that are written and, and penned by the writer to the Hebrews. And as we move on, we're going to see some things in some of the chapters that, um, and I haven't studied them, but I'm, I'm looking forward in a way uh, to dealing with like chapter 6 in some of the other chapters, and, and um, hopefully, as I look at them, the Lord will, will open my eyes to certain things. But we're going to start off right away in chapter 1 and read some of these verses. Now, if you sit down with the Lord, this is, this is always a good thing to do. When you sit down with the Lord and you open up the Bible... And I've always said this, you don't need to treat it like a novel, you don't need to speed read, but the most important thing 
is to have your heart open to God, your heart going out to Him, realizing that we do not understand the Bible, that things are locked up. There's many, many verses in the Bible that are mysterious. I mean, there's just like, I read some things this morning, and I was just like, Lord, I'm going to read this verse to the class, but I have no idea what it means because it's so far above. But see, if we have a heart that's open to God, he can come and take the words and start to reveal them to us. Not every verse. We're not going to understand every verse. But the intent behind them, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in our eyes. Not that we would have a good talk, you know, talk a good talk. But the reality of the relationship that Jesus Christ came to bring to you and I, that that, through the words, would have an impact upon our hearts, that as we read the word, the Spirit of God can take that word, the eternal word, place that. This is amazing that God can do these things. To me, it's just so wonderful. He can take that eternal word and it can go into your heart to reside there for all eternity and bring about a change in your life and bring about a, a, a revelation, if you will, a manifestation of the Spirit of God and the realness of the gospel. There are people, Christians, who walk around and, you know, the gospel doesn't have an effect on them and it doesn't have the realness or they're not moving in the reality of, of, of the, the relationship with Jesus because they have not seen him with their eyes. And so as the writer pens these words, they're not just words. They're words, but they're more than words. The life of God, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit of God to you is locked up in these words. And he's looking for a heart that's open to him to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to read this. And, and Lord, I, I want you to, if you will, just bring to me what I need. Bring to me what I can understand. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit uses these words to touch us. It's just incredible. It's amazing <laughs> for a lack of a, a more descriptive word. It's awesome. And when I sit down and read some of these things, it's, I don't know, I sit there and I, I'm amazed. I, I can't tell you how many times this morning I says. Lord, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and I don't mean it's unbelievable, but it's just like so far beyond. Just even catch a glimpse of some of these things. It, it, it's wonderful. Wonderful. It, is this working? It is working. Okay. Let me see here. Okay. Okay, let's begin with chapter 1, verse 1. And I like to go back and forth into other verses, um, other translations, because uh, remember, there are more than 
one word in English that can describe a Greek word. Sometimes it takes three or four or five words. And some of the translations, they, they pick, like the King James, they picked a certain one word that they thought would describe uh, a Greek word. And when you go to some of the other translations, uh, I like using the, the NIV and the Amplified uh, a lot because their selection of words are many times more along the lines of our normal language today. So the different translations are good. I love the King James. That's what I primarily read. But, but once again, as we go into different verses, uh, I have them in my notes to, to save some time. But in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners in, times, in time past, uh, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So NIV says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, once again, remember <clears throat> that whoever is writing this book has a Jewish background. They're understanding the law and, and the prophets. They have a good knowledge of the Psalms. And as they, they, they say certain things, like in verse 5, 6, 7, which we'll get to in a little bit, they are quoting psalm after psalm after psalm. And Samuel, they're going back and forth throughout the New Testament. So uh, whoever's writing this has this background uh, that he's drawing upon. Now, the prophets we know were sent to Israel, and they ministered along the lines of the present condition or need that the people had. So, so God would raise up a prophet or whomever and, and send them. And it says here in this verse, uh, God who at past times and in different manners, so that you can uh, look at, for example, Isaiah. And God spoke to Isaiah through a vision, and he relays that to the people. Uh, you can see with Daniel how God used a dream or dreams to, to do and work a certain thing uh, throughout that kingdom with, with Babylon, etc. Uh, you can look at others in the Bible, uh, Ezra and, and so, so on, who God, either he spoke literally or he spoke through dreams, visions, and the like, different ways, different manners of approach uh, for different reasons. But the point was the prophet or the person was there with a heart that could receive what God was speaking in however way he did and could be a channel and use that to go out and minister to the people uh, such as Jeremiah or whomever. And he spoke, he says, in times past unto our fathers by the prophets. So he's speaking to the people by the prophets. And it's interesting, he says, our fathers, because he is Jewish. He's talking about the Jewish prophets to the Jewish nation. And so the prophets... All of them, including today, every single person, has limited revelation. 
Not one person knows it all. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter how much you study, how much God shows you, it still is a limited revelation. I'll read this from the Amplified. Okay. It starts off with verse 1. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers and by the prophets. So there was a portion of, of revelation that God gave to Isaiah and so on to, to send out. So, so the writer here is saying that God did this. He's painting this picture for the Jews. We know that this happened to our forefathers uh, in the past, that God spoke through the prophets. And he doesn't waste any time. He dwells on that thing for one verse. Now he's going to move on to something else. And that is the crux of what he's going to talk about throughout this entire letter. Hath, verse 2, in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So that the revelation of God now, or his, if you will, the great expression to man, now it's not coming from all these different sources, uh, the prophets. Now it's coming through one person whom he has called Son, Jesus Christ. So you have the heart of God, and he has all of mankind on his heart. All of sinful man on his heart. And so, so God carried this thing, there it is. Now he is pushing that thing or giving that thing to his son, Jesus Christ, who is going to be the expression of the Father out from himself to all the world. So now he takes, he takes a shift from the prophets. Now he's bringing it to the Son. And he's saying, now, hath he in these last days spoken unto us through Jesus Christ, his Son? Now the words hath spoken means to utter words. Uh, it means to tell using an outward form of speech. And the, the verb there is an active voice verb, which means the Father is the one that's doing the speaking, which I think is very interesting. When Jesus walked upon the earth, Jesus spoke. But Jesus said, I am my, and my Father are one. The impact of that to those around him was, what do you mean, you know, we don't quite get this. But the expression out from the heart of God, coming to Jesus, now is being moved out from the heart of Jesus Christ in the form of words that contain the life and the desire 
of the Father for mankind. So that there is life for you as a Christian, as we know, and more life. And there is the desire of the Father towards you and for you in your, in your life and in your walk. So that through His Son, Jesus Christ, came the desire of the Father. And now we, who have received Christ can walk in Him or walk in His will and fulfill that desire that was brought from the Father, expressed through Jesus Christ. Quite amazing. Quite amazing what we have available to us. So the Father spoke, and Jesus Christ was the expression of the Father, out to man. And now we're coming to verse 3. Who being in the brightness of his glory, speaking of Jesus Christ, and the express image, or another way to say that is that Jesus was the express character of the Father. And, and Philip says, it sufficed us if you would show us the Father. And Jesus said, how long am I with you, Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The expression of God. Now there's uh, the word here, brightness. And that word has a dual meaning, as, as many words do. The word brightness here means to reflect. Now, we all know that Jesus was a reflection of the Father. And I've heard uh, people say, well, you know, Jesus was like the mirror, and he was reflecting the image and character of the Father, and that's true. But this word also means source. So what's the proper meaning here for this word? Well, I believe both. Jesus Christ was the radiant source, and he also was the reflection of the Father. So, so he was God, and we're going to see that in the verse hopefully soon. Called God by the Father, the source, but also reflecting all the character of God. Let me read this from another translation. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine, and he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. So if you want to have a relationship with the Father, then you're going to, to receive that from the Son. Your closeness to Jesus, Jesus will bring you into an understanding 
of the Father. Or another way of saying that is it's going to bring you into an understanding of the heart of God that you could not understand and see before this. So as we draw near to Jesus, we will understand more and more. We will see more and more. And I'm not talking about understanding here. I'm talking about a heart understanding. So that we understand and say, yes, now I see. Now I understand. I remember when we were up Bon Mead in the church, I was sitting there. I've been coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening for years. Probably, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 years. I don't, I, I don't remember. But I remember sitting, I remember exactly where I was sitting in the church. And the Lord had showed me something in his word the week before that. And I thought, well, this is kind of a fringe thing, you know. I never heard this before. <laughs> and, you know, when the Lord gives you something that's, you say, well, I mean, it doesn't bother me anymore. But back then I thought, well... Hmm, I never heard this, never read this. This is kind of different. So I'm sitting there, and Pastor Luffy gets up and preaches, preached on the identical thing. And I was sitting there, and, and it, was, it was marvelous. And as I was sitting there, I could see from the floor. It was almost like, Looking, looking through something, uh, an object that was opaque, not even darker than this, much darker. But I could see something, almost like someone took a, a blind and went like this. And, and as that went up, it's like the Lord just opened my eyes to things. And, and I would have to say that that, that was... Quite something for me because I could see things from that point on that I never saw ever before. And so God will speak to us through Jesus Christ and through our relationship with him in various ways. Now, nobody was speaking audibly to me. The Lord wasn't speaking. It's just something that I saw. And I don't want to say it's a vision. I don't know what it was. But I could see it in spirit. I guess it was like a vision. And this, this blind was going up. And then from that point on, there was a change. There was a change in the way that I could see and, and perceive certain things in Scripture and, and so on. But he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. And we must move toward him if we're going to know the Lord better, the Father, the heart of the Father. Now, the latter part of this verse is quite amazing. Upholding all things by the word of his power. The NIV says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Upholding means to bear or to carry so that Jesus, by his word and by the, the word of his power, carries 
or sustains all things. All things. So that when you go to the ocean and you look at the beauty of the ocean and there comes the wave and the wave rolls up and the wave stops right there and then it starts to move back the other direction, that very thing there that you see, Jesus Christ is upholding the oceans through the word of his power, only allowing the ocean to come so far and then recede. I want to show you a couple things. Okay. <laughs> to find a button. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When you look up at night and you see the stars and you see the moon all held where they are in their orbit or where, wherever the stars are by the word of his power. The sun that arose this morning and will set this evening, do so because of the word of his power. And when the moon comes up at night, that is Jesus Christ. His word enables all these things to move and be where they are, upholding all things, all things, by the word of his power. I was studying this, and I actually had to go check my email. Not the one I wanted here, but... Oh, here it is. I don't, I don't even remember what I was looking at, but I saw a picture of Andromeda. And it was kind of... I had just got done reading this. How Jesus upholding all things by the word of his power. And I saw Andromeda, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. So I went on the Hubble uh, website. Has anybody ever been on there and looked at the, the different pictures from that Hubble telescope? You, you should go. You want to see just a bit of the glory of God. I, I was just amazed at some of the pictures. I don't know how these are going to turn out. Can you see that? That's called the spiral galaxy. Now, you know you have the, you have the Milky Way. Uh, you have, um, what are some of the other galaxies out there? The spiral galaxy. Um, there's a bunch of them. And you see all these millions upon millions upon millions of stars in this cluster. They could see other galaxies with this telescope. And they seen vast areas of space between these galaxies. Clusters and clusters and clusters of stars. Just real quick. And how much can man see of what's up there, even with a telescope? They're only seeing a fraction, I believe. A nebula. 
a gas giant, hydrogen. And one more. Still got it wrong. There we go. That's the sun rising over the Earth as viewed from that telescope. Jesus upholds or carries these things, these galaxies. They say that that the stars and the galaxies are in motion. They thought they were in motion toward Earth at one point. Now they think they're in, they don't know what they, they, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> really. Now they say they're moving the other way. I think they're moving the other way. But you look at some of these things and remember the glory of Jesus Christ, the one who we say his name, Jesus Christ. He's the one that upholds and carries all these things by his word, the power of his word. There they are. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. I I was just, I said, Lord, I'm not worthy to even talk about your word. I feel so, so minuscule compared to you. It's just, I was so overwhelmed by him. And he comes to you and I. This one called Jesus comes to us. And he cares about you. And he cares about your life. Every little aspect of it. The one who, who, who created all these things. The galaxy. I'll hang a galaxy here and I'll hang another one over here and another one over there. And someday they'll build a telescope and they'll see nothing. They're not going to see my glory. But to you who have been enlightened, to know him, you are the ones to whom now through his word, the one, as it says, who upholds all things by the word of his power, to that one you can come into relationship with and now can be touched by the spirit of the living God. And that there would be an illumination in your heart that the light, so to speak, would go on. And you could say, yes, Lord. Even though you accepted Christ years ago, that there is this fresh move of the spirit in you. And you see the glory and the grandiose And the wonder of Jesus Christ, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. That one wants you to be drawn to him. My, my, my. I had these feelings, my heart was leaping, it was exciting. But yet it was like extremely humbling to think that this Jesus Christ cares for me. (laughs) Wow. Quite something. Now when you see the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and you see these miracles, these miracles are just some of the little things, little things that come out from this mighty power. 
you know, you know, of course they're wonderful. But there's far more to the one we serve than we really realize sometimes. Far more. Lord, help us to know you in a greater way. Help us, Lord, somehow to draw away from the things of the world to you. Lord, help us so that the things of this world and the things that are in us will not hinder us, that we can overcome them and come to you to know you even more. And so we look at the stars. And then you can move to the other end of the spectrum. And they have these powerful micron um, microscopes. And, and they can see things that, that even with the microscopes of 20 years ago couldn't see. And there's a whole universe of living beings in the palm of your hand. Right there. The glory of Jesus Christ, the one who upholds all things. Let me read this verse from um, Ephesians. He who, this is from the Amplified. This is Ephesians 4.10. You don't have to turn there. He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended high above the heavens, that he, his presence, might fill all things, the whole universe, from the lowest to the highest. (laughs) That he, or his presence, might fill all things, the whole universe, the whole universe, that he might fill not fulfill, fill. Now, I don't have any idea what that means. But I do believe that if, if you would go up in the space shuttle, far above the earth, that you would know his presence there as you do here. If you were to be transported to another planet or another galaxy, you would still know his presence because he fills with his presence or fills with himself the universe. Now, we don't know how big that is. But Jesus is much, much bigger than we think. The word power in this verse, um, well, the word upholding, let's go back there, verse 3. The word upholding uh, is a present participle, which means that Jesus is presently, continually carrying all things. Um, And the word power is the Greek word dunamis, which some of you have heard before. And, And that word there, dunamis, is referring to 
inherent power. Inherent. And the word, um, the word means the ability residing within a person. That's the dunamis power. So all that Jesus did when he uh, healed and, and the different miracles that he performed came out from who he was, that inherent ability. The reflection and the source, both. There's the miracle. Not there's the miracle. There's the miracle coming out from him. The word, this word uh, dunamis is translated mighty works in the New Testament. Power, strength, miracles, abundance. It's, it's many different English words. Sometimes I, I would love to have a bunch of translators <laughs> start and translate the Bible again, and they keep a lot of the words the same. And don't worry about the English language. Don't worry about it if it doesn't make sense. Forget about the readability. Keep it in the, the study form, if you know what I mean. Hebrews 1, look at verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. All those things that we just talked about, the galaxies, the nebula, you know, uh, and, and, and all those things out there. They shall perish, but thou remainest. See, men dedicate their life to astronomy. I, I was uh, looking at some things this morning, and um, I went on this, this one site real quick. I was looking for things here. And it showed uh, different astronomers, Hubble and others. And these people dedicated their entire life studying the stars and planets, dedicated every waking hour to astronomy. And you know, it's, what is that? It's actually, if you don't know the Lord, it's unbelief. Because it says here in verse 11, they shall perish. So even though it's the glory of God and it's beautiful... In, in its tremendous loveliness of the heavens, it's going to be passed away. And so, as a, as a believer, a Christian, what should I do with my life? Should I spend it studying the stars? Should I spend it doing this? Should I spend it doing that? Or should I spend my life in the pursuit of knowing him better. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doth a garment. It's talking about the heavens and the galaxies. And as a vesture or as a garment, shalt thou fold them up. 
God's going to take him. You talk about the word of his power. He's going to take the heavens. He's going to fold them up like you fold clothes and put them in your drawer. And they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Lord, help us to surrender our hands, our heart, our life to him. So that we as Christians, when this life is over, we will have something of eternal, eternal value planted by the Lord within us. So that when he does the folding, like a garment, and puts it away, that all the pursuits of our life are just gone. They're just folded up and... But if somehow we could get a vision of Jesus Christ and understand in our heart how awesome he really is, then that will help us because the Lord now, because we have this vision of him, will be able to direct our life according to his will and according to his way so that you, who may be as one of the stars in brightness, can take this gospel, benefit from it yourself, and bring it to others. But you know, that will never happen if we do not see the Lord. If there is not a change in us, if our hearts are not touched by him, then I don't think we're going to make progress as Christians, any Christian. See, we need the touch of God. Upholding all things. I, I said, Lord, as, as this was coming to me, I said, Lord, I know I am completely unable to, to bring this across to the people. It, it's, it's going to take the Holy Spirit revealing these words to you personally. To keep you true, to keep you walking in the place that you know you should walk, to keep you moving along the line, the course that's set before you. Lord, help us open our eyes that we would see the brightness of your glory to some degree. And the express image of your person. The one who, who holds life. Christianity can become a tradition. It can become a, so to speak, norm of life. Just like getting up, going to work or getting up and eating breakfast or whatever you do. You know, we are creatures of habit, all of us. We all have our things. You know, if, 
If we were to, to, to ask each one, what do you do first thing in the morning, you will find out that most people have some type of, of regiment they go through. That's our tradition. And Christianity can become the same. And just another tradition in your life. You come to church and, you know, it can become the norm for you. But absent from the hand of God touching you at times. And I don't mean you particularly, I mean whoever. And so I encourage you today to read the word. Did you get up today and spend even five minutes in the word? Well, yeah, because I knew I was coming to church. Well, what about in the middle of the week? Spending time reading his word. You don't know what God can do. He can give you a vision of Jesus Christ that will sustain you for quite a while. So in these last days, he has spoken unto us by his Son, whom he, the Father, hath appointed heir of all things, in whom also he made the worlds. That same Jesus Christ, available to you, Christian, today in relationship. Father, we're thankful today for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus was the source and reflection of you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that today you would touch our hearts and open up our eyes that we may see you in a new light. That, Lord, we would be able to draw closer unto you and closer to the heart of the Father as he so desires. Help us, Lord, not to see our faults and our problems and the things that, our circumstances, the things that hinder us from, you know, moving along with you, walking with you. And Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. I pray, Lord, for us today that you would increase our faith. 